Good morning. If you'd like to take your Bibles out and open them up to the book of Mark, we're going to be reading from there in just a moment. Mark chapter 4. Well, you're turning there and I'm grabbing my clicker. Uh, it is good to see you all. Thank you, Holly. It's good to be here with you. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. As Joe has already alluded to in the Lord's Supper, we have so much to be blessed, uh, to be thankful for. We've been blessed with so much, blessed with time with family, blessed with food that is uh, one of the things that I liked most, I think, about Thanksgiving. Um, it's just been an, an absolute uh, wonderful time for us. I hope it was a wonderful time for you. And I hope that that idea of Thanksgiving can carry over into our lesson this morning and also into our lives as we go forward. There's so much that we have to be thankful for. God has done so much for us. Um, and one of the things that I thought of as I was traveling back and forth uh, around the state, visiting family and, and, and going with, we actually, I went with dad to the farm this, this weekend. And on the way up there, I was listening to just psalms and hymns that have been sung and recorded. And over and over again, these songs sang of the things that God has done for us. Songs that we sang this morning. Things that God has done for us and just filled me with this overwhelming sense of, of thankfulness. So much so that... I probably should have pulled over. I just I was crying. And for some of you that know me, that doesn't take a whole lot for that to happen. If you post the videos of, of dogs and cats playing with each other on Facebook, I don't watch your videos because for some reason as I get older, that bothers me. It makes me emotional. I don't know why. So, so I get emotional over very little things sometimes, very simple things sometimes. But this was something that, that really struck me. God has done so much for us, so much in our lives. We have so much to be thankful for. And maybe not a, a, a lesson that we go to often when we think about thankfulness. But in Mark chapter 4, I do believe that there is a great depiction of an, an attitude of thankfulness for the things that Christ has done. In Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, is a, thing, a, a story that probably very. All of us are, are likely aware of, uh, are familiar with. It's a lesson that, that the world probably knows quite well. It's the, the, the idea and the account of Jesus calming the storm. And, and we probably could remember this quite easily. There's uh, this Jesus and His disciples. They, they, go, <clears throat> they go out to sea. They get on the boat. And as they go out into to, to the Sea of Galilee, the Christ goes to, to sleep and a storm arises and the boat is battered and beaten, pushed back and forth and the disciples are afraid, they're scared. They wake Him up and they say, Why, how can you be asleep at a time like this? And Jesus gets up and He calms the waves. He calms the winds. And then He rebukes His disciples. As my family would say, He kind of fusses at them. Fusses at His disciples for, for the attitude that they had during this, this terrifying time. I've not been on too many uh, storms out at sea. I could say that I've probably been on zero, but I've been in a storm on some of the lakes up in Michigan, I think is where we were at, in a, a fishing boat, a little tiny three-person little boat. And I remember I was terrified. And we probably weren't in any danger at all, and it scared me to death. And so this is a terrifying time. And yet Jesus kind of fusses at His disciples here for their attitudes during this. Let's read that together. Verses 35-41. through 41. It says, On that day when evening came, He said to them, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took Him along with them in the boat, just as He was. And the other boats were with Him, and there arose a fierce gale of wind. 
The waves were breaking over the boat so much the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey Him? This account has gone to, to be mainly viewed upon as sometimes a children's story. We kind of use this in our children's classes. I can remember the, the little flannel, flannel uh, picture boards that would be set up of Jesus in the front of the boat and the, uh, the storms all around Him and, and Him silencing the storms. It's, it's very popular and it's how we, oftentimes we think about this, but this is recorded for adults. He's speaking to grown men here. This is for men to understand. This is also the setting for a song that we sometimes sing. Number 689, Master, the Tempest is Raging. I just want you to think about the words of this song for a moment. It takes very heavily from this, from this account. It says, Master, the tempest is raging. The billows are tossing high. The skies are shadowed with blackness. No shelter or help is nigh. Carest thou not that we perish? How can thou lie asleep? when each moment so madly is threatening a grave in the angry deep. Master, with anguish of spirit, I bow in my grief today. The depths of my sad heart are troubled. Awaken and save, I pray. Torrents of sin and of anguish sweep over my sinking soul. And I perish, I perish, dear Master. Oh, hasten and take control. Master, the terror is over. The elements sweetly rest. Earth's sun in the calm lake is mirrored, and heaven's within my breast. Linger, O blessed Redeemer, leave me alone no more. And with joy I shall make the blessed harbor and rest on that blissful shore. The winds and the waves shall obey thy will. Peace, be still. Whether the wrath of the storm-tossed sea, or demons or men or whatever it be, no waters can swallow the ship where lies, the master of ocean and earth and skies. They all shall sweetly obey thy will. Peace be still, peace be still. They all shall sweetly obey thy will. Peace, peace be still. The author of that song, taking very heavily from this, this account of Jesus calming the waters, calming the waves, hearkens our, our, our minds to say that Christ is still in control today and He is still calming the storms today. And so that begs the question then, if there are so many lessons that can be brought from this, and if this is something that is applicable for, for more than just little children, this is applicable for us today, what are some lessons that we can learn from the account of Jesus and this great storm? The first thing I want us to note is that we are not exempt from storms today. Look here, I got my clicker. In three years, it's finally run out of batteries. That's a pretty good track record. We'll use this. We are not exempt from storms today. We face storms because we are humans. That's something that we need to, as, as, as people who, who are going to follow Christ and are going to look to Christ, we need to recognize we're humans. We are going to face storms. Jesus' disciples weren't protected from storms, and we're not protected from storms either. We live in a world where there are many storms, literally and, and figuratively. 
We face literal storms like they faced that day. We face gales and winds and, and, and tornadoes and hurricanes and terrible things that happen naturally that affect God's people. We, we will experience those things in our lives, but we also face storms such as sickness. I don't know if we ever think about that very often, but injuries and sickness and accidents, deaths, those are storms that we are facing. You, can, you, you find someone, you, you see people who have experienced that, and you can almost see the, the weathered looks on their faces as they have combated those storms, as they have felt the, the trial, that storm beating upon them. We will face these things. And Paul is a great example of this. If you turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul, that, that apostle of Christ that was so faithful, that followed him, and, and, and spoke His Word and, and experienced many things because of His following Him. Also experienced many things just because of, of the life that he, that he lived. In 2 Corinthians 11, 24-26, he says, Five times I received <clears throat> from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. Paul describes all of these terrible things that he has experienced in his life. And these are things that sometimes were experienced because of because of the fact that he was a Christian, but most often it was experienced because he's a human. And he, experienced, he lived in a world where travel most often was by boat. If you're going a long distance, going around the other, to another area around the Mediterranean, it was more feasible instead of making a long journey across the land to cut across the ocean and, and because, or across the sea. And because of that, he experienced these things. These are cr- things that we face as humans. But that does also bring up the point that we face storms because we are Christians as well. Some of the things that he spoke of in that passage are things that he faced because he stood for God. In John chapter 16, in verse 33, <coughs> Jesus prepares his disciples and is preparing us as well to understand that this is a fact. He says, These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But take courage, I have overcome the world. He was warning, you are going to experience tribulation. You're going to experience trouble and trials because you're going to be a follower of me, a disciple of me. And Paul, again, he, he takes from, Jesus, from what Jesus has said and he, he warns and he admonishes those that, that are following Christ that there's going to be hardships. In Acts chapter 14, verse 22. Acts 14, 22, he says, strengthening the souls... We read there, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, saying, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. That is our goal. That is, that is to the, the end of our journey that we're heading to is heaven, is this, this kingdom of God where we will reside with Him forever. And he says entering into that, that heavenly city, that, tri- uh, that, that kingdom, it comes with trial. It comes with tribulation, with trouble that we must pass through along the way. Peter also uh, spoke of this in 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4 and in verse 12, <clears throat> he said, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. Peter, as if he was saying, you've heard what Jesus said. You remember what Paul said? These things are going to happen. Don't be surprised. 
Don't be caught off guard. Don't be bewildered when you experience trials and trouble in this life. You see, nowhere did Jesus say, if you follow Me, or even if you don't follow Me, but if you're a human, you're not going to experience storms. He says we are. Especially if we follow Him. We are going to experience storms in this life. We're going to find ourselves in the midst of, of terrible tribulation and trials. Whether that be literally or whether that be figuratively, because we are humans and because we are Christians, we're going to experience these things. But Peter says, don't think that's strange. Be prepared for that. And take heart. Because from, the, from our story, what we are seeing is Jesus is the one that helps us to deal with these storms. Jesus is the one that is guiding us through these storms. And He does that in several ways. One way is through faith. Turn over to Psalm chapter 46. Psalm 46. Paul wrote to the Corinthians and said that what you're experiencing is not new. There's no, no sin that has come upon you that is not common to man. And what we see in Psalm 46 is storms were a part of people's lives forever. They've always been a part of people's lives. People in the Old Testament experienced storms just like people in the New Testament. In Psalm 46, David is describing a time, or actually, I should say, this is a psalm of the sons of Korah, uh, but they're describing a time when they were facing a storm and the way that they responded to that. In verses 1 through 3, Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3, we carry, it carries with it this idea of having faith through that storm. God, knowing who God is, knowing what God will do. And, and that's kind of, it's a shadow or it's, it's, it's a, a flip side of what we see in the apostles in Mark chapter 4, or the disciples. The disciples, well, they said, Master, don't you care that we are perishing? How can you be sleeping right now? Don't you care that we are perishing? Don't you care that we're dying here? Well, in Psalm 46, verses 1-3, through 3, the psalmist writes, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. Salah. The psalmist there saying, I, I know who God is. And I will not be afraid. In these terrible circumstances, you picture the idea that what he describes, the mountains slipping, falling from their bases into the sea, and the, the waters roaring and foaming. And this is certainly figurative language. But it's describing terrible situations. Situations we can, we can agree, if we, if we saw that happening, that would terrify us. And they say, no, I will not fear. Because I know who's in charge. I know who's in control at these times. In fact, he goes on to say that the faith in, that, uh, in God, the faith in who, that he, in, in who He is and what He has done, not only brings me through these terrible circumstances, that faith is what brings me into heaven. He says, Therefore, is there, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy dwelling places of the Most High, God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised His voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is her stronghold. Silah. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Cease striving and know that I am God. <coughs> I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob 
is our stronghold. The psalmist speaks of a faith that that trusts in God to deliver them in times of trial. A, A faith that trusts in God to deliver him to that heavenly city. A place where there will be no more war. There will be no trial. No more tribulation. A place where there will be true peace. And he says, I know that in this life and in this earth, I don't have to fear the, the terrible things that may happen because God is in control. But I also know that God is the one that can bring me to the place where there will no longer be storms. And I can trust in Him. And so Jesus reveals in His role, in His question to the, to, to the disciples, have you not faith? When they were terrified. Don't you care, God? Don't you care that we're dying? Don't you care that we're perishing? He reveals the role of faith and how that helps us to deal in the midst of a storm. He also reveals through His Word in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, that His words prepare us and help us to, to overcome and, and, and come through the trials of this life. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on a rock, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Jesus describes the role that His words play in the life of those who hear them. But he, he differentiates between two different types of people here. Sometimes we just think about this and say, well, you have the rich man, or you have the wise man and the foolish man. And the wise man, he heard the word. The foolish man, he didn't hear the word. That's not what he says. They both heard the word of God. They both heard the word of Jesus. They both heard of who he is. They should have been able to have faith through that word to know that he is the one that will bring them through. And yet only one of them was acting upon that word. One of them took that word into his heart and he hid it there in his heart so that he might not sin against him. He took that word and he applied it in his life and he moved forward following after that word. The other one, kind of like my teachers used to talk about when I was in school, it went in one ear and out the other. I heard it. I didn't apply it. I didn't learn from it. I didn't learn how to use it. I didn't learn the benefit that it had for me. That's what he's describing here. Someone who hears the word and it doesn't just pass in through one ear and out the other. It it takes hold inside the heart and the mind. He teaches that, that through His Word. And as He says in Matthew 6, as we talked about last Sunday, seeking His will first. Seeking His will, what He wants, His Word, reaching for that first so that we might, we, we might hear God. might hear what He has to say to us. That prepares us whenever these storms of life approach us. Whenever we face things such as sickness and, and death. that we, we aren't overcome by this. We are not found, find these things strange. Because we know that there's more. There's more to this life than what what we physically see and what we physically experience. Jesus is sharing His secrets to standing strong against the storms of life. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. 19 through 21, He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy. And where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there is where your heart will be also. The Word of Christ prepares us to look at the things that we have around us. 
Whenever tornadoes rip through a land, whenever a hurricane devastates the, the, the sea, the, the coastal lands, whenever floods and landslides and, and all the terrible things that we experience destroy things that we own, destroy things that we even hold dear, take houses away from families. What Christ's Word is teaching us is that's not our true treasure. It doesn't take away from the difficulty of those situations. There is still a storm that the disciples are passing through. And they are still facing the loss of their life. But Jesus' words to them prior to all this was that your treasure is somewhere else. Your treasure is in heaven. If we can focus on those things, if we can focus on His words, it can help us to experience these trials, these storms of life, and be more prepared to face them without being overcome by them. The last thing that I wanted to think about in the way that He prepares us and the way that He helps us to deal with our storms maybe is a little bit abstract to this thought. But Jesus prepares us through His sacrifice. That The greatest storm that any of us will ever face is in that great day of judgment. When we will stand before God and give account of our lives, the things that we have done that are good, the things that we have done that are bad. And there will be many, Matthew chapter 7, right before that parable of, the, uh, of, of the, the wise man and the foolish man, Jesus makes it clear there will, be, uh, there will be many who stand before Him and say, Lord, did I not? Did I not do this? And did I not do that? And did I not do these things in Your name? And His response to them is, depart from Me. You who practice lawlessness. You who operate outside of My law. You who have not been faithful to Me. You who have not heard My Word and applied it in your life. It's a terrible storm that we are called to face. Every one of us will face one day in our lives. And yet, we can face it with confidence. We can face it with hope. If you look over in 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter is describing this. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and in verse 7, he says, but by His Word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly men. Sounds like that terrible storm that, that the psalmist was describing in Psalm 46. And yet he goes on to say, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. In verse 10, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heaven will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. The earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be? in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. Peter says that day is coming. And he describes it as a terrible, terrible ordeal. A terrible storm. He says you're the kind of people. You need to be the kind of people that not only look for that day, you're hastening it. Have you ever thought about that? The times in the Scripture where they pray, Lord, come quickly. <coughs> to me, that's, that's kind of a terrifying thought at times. That Bring that judgment day on. I'm ready for it, Lord. That's the attitude that they had. That I'm ready for You to come. I'm ready for You to take me out. And I'll tell you why it's hard for me to think about that is because oftentimes this world is my home. This world is what I've gotten attached to. And as I, was, as I was driving to the farm, as we were going up there, and these songs were reminding me what He has done, and it was reminding me of the terrible things that we experience. Death and, and hatred from the world and friends who betray us and friends that, 
that maybe we betray, not, not meaning to, but friendships that are ruined, the pain that we feel. And you look at someone who has lost a loved one, you look at someone who's experienced great pain, and you see, oftentimes you see the attitude that they have here. It says, I'm ready for that day. I'm tired of the pain. I'm tired of the storms. This world is not my home. I'm ready for you to come. I'm ready for you to take me home. Peter says that's the kind of people you ought to be in holy conduct, in godly living. You hasten that day looking for Him to return. How can I possibly have that attitude? It's because Christ has died for us. It's because in that terrible storm, there is a hope that I can pass through that storm. And as the song talks about, I can come through, I can make the blessed harbor and rest on the blissful shore. There is a reward. There is a a glorious day that I'm looking forward to. And because of the blood that was shed for me, I can be spared on that day. I can have my name written in the Lamb's book of life. I can escape condemnation. Mark chapter 16 describes this in verse 15. Verses 15 through 16 Says, and he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. That gospel that he called them to preach to all creation is the gospel that you're hearing here this morning. That there is a day coming, there is a day that has been reserved for the judgment of the world. And everyone is going to that. No one is going to miss. No one is going to somehow get around that storm. We are all going to stand before the judgment seat of God. We are all going to give an account for the life that we have lived, for the things that we have done. He says, you go and you preach that Gospel because there's more than just that's what you're facing. There is a hope that we can get through it through the sacrifice of Christ. But he goes on to say, he who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. And he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Those who hear the words of the Gospel and act upon them. The wise man and the foolish man. Those who hear that there is a storm that is brewing. There is a storm that we are going to face. But we can come through it. We can come through it because of the love of Christ. We can come through it because of His sacrifice, because of His blood. Those who hear that Gospel and act in obedience as He is described here, being baptized. Elsewhere, He would say repenting of our sins, turning away from that former life to turn towards a new life. A life that has Christ as its King and as His Lord. A man, that, or a man and a woman that will confess that Christ is that. Through their words, through their actions, they are saying, I no longer follow this world. I no longer set this world as my home. I follow Christ. He is my King and I'm the one that is following after Him. And we need to be steadfast in that. Not being turned away, not being pointed to the left or to the right, but following in that straight and narrow path despite the storms that we face in this life. And they are going to be there. Again, we don't read in the Scripture that somehow by choosing to follow Him we, we get to bypass all of these little storms in our life. We get what we need to deal with them. We get the love of Christ. We get His peace. Jesus stands ready to save us and to protect us in this life and in the next because of His sacrifice, because of His words, and through faith in Him. Every one of us are going to face these things. But will we have the attitude of the apostles, the disciples? Sometimes we say, well, they had Christ in the flesh. He was there with them. They saw the miracles. But they still struggled. They still had a lack of faith. They didn't just cry out to Him, oh no, we're in trouble. They said, don't you even care that we're dying? 
All this time they'd spent with him, they still didn't know. They still didn't understand who he was, what he was doing. As the, song, as the songwriter writes here, they didn't have to be afraid. If they'd known who he was, he created the winds and the waves. He has authority over them. He created you and me. He has authority over us. Matthew chapter 28 tells us all authority has been given to him. And if the winds and the waves will obey his word, how much, less, how much more should we? We, his creation, we who have been made in his image, this morning, if we can help you to do that, to prepare yourself for that great storm in which one day we will all face the day of judgment, it's our hope and desire to do so. Please come forward and let it be known right now as we stand and as we sing.